Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner... It's time to get head stabby as Gerard Butler stabs a lot of bad guys in the head while saving the White House, the President and the whole of the United States of America from some Korean bad guys whose plan it is to, well, meh. There's a cool bit where a plane strafes Washington from 2013. It's Olympus Has Fallen. Mr. President, five minutes, sir. Evening, ma'am. Merry Christmas, Mike. Mustang, this is Big Top, bringing out the full package. Everybody knows you did the right thing on that bridge. Even the president knows. You gotta learn how to get back into the real world. Mr. President, we're ready for you. Our guests have arrived. I'd like to welcome you to the White House, sir. While in the blue corner, Channing Tatum dons the requisite white vest as he has to save the big house from some homegrown terrorists whose planet is to, well, nah. I mean, James Woods wants to blow up the Middle East and the rest seem cool with that. It lost the race into cinemas by four months from 2013. It's White House down. John Cale. Why do you want to be in the Secret Service? I can't think of a more important job than protecting the president. In college, you barely maintained a C average. Did you get the job? Yeah, I think I got a shot. You know how it is. They gotta go talk amongst themselves. If you are just tuning in, we are going to breaking news out of Washington. This is John Cale. I'm in the White House. They've taken the building and they're holding hostages, including my daughter. Alpha One, do you have the target? Roger that. We're holding the president in the library. That's a library. Uh, Don't go in there. Just... This is so stupid. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Newsflash, asshole. I don't work for you. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And welcome to this week's War for the White House. As Olympus Has Fallen takes on White House Down. Yes, as America goes to the polls, we're having our own battle to see who belongs in America's seat of power. The clue I gave you to guess this pairing on last week's show was Fallen Down. Fallen Down. Quite a difficult one. Quite mm. a difficult one. Mm. It wasn't easy. Fallen down. A few guesses for falling down. Yeah, understandably. Do you want to explain what fallen down is? Yeah. <laughs> Shall I? <laughs> <laughs> well, fallen down 
is White House down and Olympus has fallen. Mm. Those two words put together and then the curveball of it sounding a little bit like falling down. Thankfully, you were there to pick up my considerable slack. Yeah, my clue was the wrong guy in the wrong house at the wrong time. Do you know where that clue comes from, Vicky? Your brain. Can't, well, yeah, but from a film. Yeah. Because I know Alex has got it. Do you want to explain it, Alex? I knew it. It is, and I hope I'm right, a quote from Major Grant in Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Oh, okay. He says it to Bruce Willis in that movie, and obviously okay. these movies are Die Hard in the White House. Yes, he says you're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. So I, yep. I replaced place with house. Mm. Yeah, I know. Paraphrasing. <laughs> mm, very good. Very so did good. we have any correct guesses? Right, well, it's been a while since we've done guesses on Twitter because of pre-records and all the rest of it. So yeah, we have. Uh, if you haven't joined us on Twitter yet, please do. Uh, we are at Clash Pod. It's a fun place to come and hang out. And big news this week, Chris. We crossed the what mark? One thousand followers what that is amazing yeah, it is amazing we blasted past it blasted past it we're on, we're on 1020 now i was very very proud mm. and grateful so uh here are a few guesses uh sophie hart hello sophie guessed the shining versus get out in brackets please sorry to disappoint Gemma page says the fugitive versus Shawshank Redemption, which definitely works with the wrong guy in the wrong house at the wrong time. Both movies starting exactly that way, mm. as they do. Uh, we also have from Dylan Berry, The Collector versus Don't Breathe, which is on paper a great pairing. Personally for me, I like one of those movies and it's called Don't Breathe and I never want to watch The Collector again. Have you seen The Collector? The Collector. There's like three collectors now, isn't there? Oh, did it start a franchise? I, yeah, I thought it was all right. It's just, it was, I remember being quite bored. It's just torture porn. It's a, a guy who collects body parts, isn't it, in a house and like people go in and then he sets traps for them and they get chopped up. Oh, I can't remember anything about it. Right. But I thought it was all right. <laughs> all the best films. They're just straight out. Straight out after you've watched them. It's proof of a good film. Uh, but the winner... And our only correct answer, and not only our only correct answer, the first answer in. Congratulations, Frank B, you get our vote. And what does it mean if only one person gets the right answer, Chris? I'm doing my job. Yep. <laughs> Means the clues are good clues. Clues are good clues. They walk that line between being too easy and too hard. Yep. You, you really needed both clues this week. Did. Yep. My, well, is that a way of saying mine was shit? Because you can just <laughs> say it. I know it was a bit shit, but I thought it was great at the time. Hindsight's 2020. Right. Uh, what I imagine is going to be quite a long section this week. Connections between these two movies. Well, I was going to say, I don't think we should do too many of these because obviously they are the same film twice, aren't they? I'm going to do all of them. Uh, I've got one. Let me just get, because I didn't go through, because what a waste of time. Ready? <laughs> um, Sporty Poltus. Spoltus. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good, isn't it? Because nice. Aaron Eckhart boxes for some reason. Mm. And Jamie Foxx has nice trainers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it would be better if the acronym wasn't SPOTUS. Why would that work? Sporty President of the United States. I get it. It sounds like a medical condition. It I've does. got SPOTUS. <laughs> uh, well, they both do both feature idealistic presidents very similar to Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> No, true. the other guy, the other guy, Obama. Um, <laughs> both films where most of the characters find out what's happening on the news <laughs> over and over again. The news telling us what we've just seen so other characters can find out about what we've just seen. Oh, I've got a good one. Uh, the reading out of passcodes down telephones. Oh, don't. I cannot wait till we get to that bit. Shift F3. What? What, Mum? <laughs> hashtag joke. The American flag getting fucked. Yeah, that's that's standard, isn't it? Have they both got special watches in or did I just misremember? Yep. I've they got do. that. Antique watches given by first ladies yep. as gifts to their president husbands. Okay. The villain lying about his intentions. Mm. Both times there's a switcheroo. Mm. Uh, kids who know a lot about the White House <laughs> and like to tell people. Uh, White House ornaments used as weapons. Yep. Uh, mentions of the White House being burnt down by the British in oh, 1814. I didn't even know we'd done that. No, I didn't like to Google yeah. that. Yep. I feel quite proud. Yeah. No, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean to say yes. I meant I learnt something as well. <laughs> and who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it watching Olympus has fallen and White House down was going to be an interesting yeah. learning, learning experience? Uh, what else have we got? Um, oh, the Speaker of the House being sworn in as president. Yep. Happens in both. Uh, aircraft releasing chaff to avoid missiles. Yes. I mean, I've got a, a lot more. Uh, terrible CGI. 
Really yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, neither 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 of these Washington films were shot in Washington. Which I kind of I understand because you couldn't do what they do in Washington no. in Washington. But some of it is. I mean, well, we'll get onto it. Olympus has fallen. Wow. Um, the presidential limo ending up underwater. Mm. I remember that in the first In one. the swimming pool in White House Down, and it goes over and goes through the ice off the bridge. Oh, oh yeah. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. Olympus has fallen. Yeah. Uh, uh, and finally, shall we end this? Yeah, yes. please. All right, then. Uh, men who want to be on or back on the president's secret service detail, which gives me my connection the shit you have to do to get the job you want. Good. Some of those have spoiled my intro, but that's fine. Excellent. I aim to please. <laughs> so I gave Chris Olympus Has Fallen. I gave Vicky White House Down. As I said, in the UK, four months separated these movies. Olympus was April. White House Down was November. We do it chronologically. So Chris, take us on a journey. When terrorists take over the White House, the government is powerless and it's left to a brave maverick who doesn't play by the rules to save the president. Who's president? Yes. It's a critical message. The White House is under crowd attack. This hunk is on his own inside the building and starts taking out villains one by one. Though he's slowed down by bad decisions made by those on the outside, as well as his own efforts to find a child with encyclopedic knowledge of the White House. But our hero manages to save the kid, rescue the president, kill the mastermind, and stop the baddies becoming a rogue nuclear power, the film ending with him landing a job as security for the Commander-in-Chief. Give me the Pentagon on the line now. Olympus is falling. Olympus is falling. You attempt to retake this building, and I will execute your Commander-in-Chief. We have contact from inside the White House. Identify yourself. 309er. Jesus, Banning? The same guy that was removed from the president's detail? He is ex-special forces. 40 commandos breached the gate, 20 in or left. Can we trust him? With all due respect, I'm the best hope you've got. And Vicky, if you want that intro for Thursday's show, <laughs> I can send it to you. No joke. I've written nothing. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw it back. Well, I can do that again. Yeah. So, yeah, that is the synopsis for both films. <laughs> it's, it is weird. Like I couldn't find anything. There's no, there was nothing about how what the White House down. It, it's, the similarities are more, I guess what I'm saying, the similarities are more than just like, uncanny it's it's genuinely there's too many for it to be an accident yes and one was definitely written before the other we'll get onto that but yeah there's not a lot of background because these aren't the kind of films as well that people write a lot about <laughs> that no. make documentaries about no. um so there's not a lot of information but um i'll go first in terms of my history i, I watched both these films in 2013 at preview screenings they were the kind of films that ign uh covered so uh Watched both of them. Very different press screenings to be in. The reaction was very different. My personal reaction was very different. I'm not going to go into what that is yet. But yeah, that's all I've got to really say about what I thought of those films at the time. That's so weird because that's my intro to what I see <laughs> yeah. my experience of these movies. Yeah. Just swap out IGN for Sky and yeah. that is exactly my experience of watching these movies. Preview screenings. Um, I will add though, I watched. I remember watching Libras Has Fallen at preview screening and genuinely not liking it at all. Now, I know we're not meant to do opinion at this part of the yeah, show. That's all right. But walking into it this time, having had that bar lowered so considerably by my first viewing, enjoyed it a lot more second time round. Interesting. Vicky, was this first time watch? So, Have you seen these before? Yeah, because in 2013, they just cancelled each other out for me. So sure. I was like, okay, I can't engage with that. And then we kind of owe them this beautiful podcast that we do because, as you said, one of you, like it's like proof of concept. Like, this is... There's a lot of articles on the internet about this versus this. Mm. And I'm not saying we stole the idea, but maybe there was some inspiration. Um, yeah. so, so the point being... Twin films, I think, yeah, is what they films. call it. Yeah. So, well, they, it was either this or Volcano versus Dante's Peak. Coming up next mm. week, <laughs> No, people have asked for that, though. And obviously, we did Deep Impact and Armageddon. Yeah. So, we'll, you know, we don't want to do them every week, those twin films, because A, there aren't that many, and B, sometimes they're not that interesting. But mm. And this is the thing. I then held off from watching them because I knew they were on our list. And they're not the sort of things I want to watch many times, mm. I don't think. But my kind of thing, you know how much I love Channing Tatum. 
and I do like a daft action film. So I went in with mm, very high expectations of one and not so much of the other, and then it was reversed. Oh, oh interesting. I I had people over at the weekend uh, for two days, and uh, and I had to watch both these movies on the Monday because no one would no. watch them with me. I was literally like, they're for work though. So if we if we could, people, I ended up watching Year Next and The Guest. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Both, like... both of which were fucking awesome. Yeah, good films. Um, Georgina watched in. My missus watched in at the start, walked in at the start of Olympus of Fallen only just to say something to me and she ended up sitting down and continuing to watch it because it's so gripping. The, the opening does grab you. It does. Uh, but so in terms of background, there isn't a lot. Um, Alex, I will tell this screenwriting story, even though it might be boring. <laughs> I said before, and I said the only thing I could find was this boring legal case. <laughs> but I mean, it does tell you a little bit about when these films were written, and maybe if one was uh, stealing from the other one, it was definitely in one direction. Uh, I love this name, Creighton Rothenberger. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and Old Kat- money right there. <laughs> Creighton Rothenberger and Catherine Benedict are uh, credited with writing the screenplay of Olympus Has Fallen, but... This saga started in 2002 when Creighton Rothenberger and someone else, John Green, discussed writing a movie about terrorists taking over the White House. And apparently they even travelled to Washington, D.C. to walk around the perimeter of the building and to start working on a treatment. Uh, Green claims he called it Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, A 41-page treatment was registered with the WGA. Uh, They finished it the following year, but it didn't sell. Cut to 2011, um, Rothenberger got a new manager and agency. And then in 2012, the screenplay sold to Millennium Films. But Rothenberger failed to disclose that Green had been a co-writer. Uh, so Green... I mean, <laughs> leaving a paper trail, though. I'm going to register this <laughs> with you, uh, Mr. Green, uh, with the WGA. And then I'm just going to ignore that. I, I think their argument was that it, he'd completely changed it, transformed it. Um, this new version had nothing to do with what Green had written. But Green sought a declaration of copyright co-ownership, breach of partnership agreement, and he just wanted a lot of money. Uh, the case was settled and there was a confidentiality agreement. So there weren't any stories following up on what happened. But then a divorce settlement a few years later, it came up in. Oh, wow. And it sounds like Green uh, was paid $175,000 for his involvement in Olympus is falling. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's all yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad right. for a day out at the White House, no. And not as boring a story as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, White House Down was being shot at much the same time as this, and sure, we'll talk about those circumstances on Thursday's show. But what it did mean was that Olympus's release date was moved from midsummer to March to avoid the summer release of White House Down. They wanted to get their film out first. Yep. They were frightened. There was probably, I'd say, more star power in the other film. Agreed. Therefore, let's get this one out. Yep. And so, uh, do you know where they save time? The fucking CGI. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be out in March. The the flag looks like it's from a video game. It'll do. <laughs> I bet that was said a lot in the VFX studio for this movie. It'll do. It'll do. So uh, let's talk about the movie then. Um, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to use real names rather than character names because it's just going to get too confusing over I've the course no of these two. I've got no idea what anyone's called. You can say the president yeah. and then I would know. I just thought it was going to get too confusing over two podcasts. So Mike we... Banning has three movies now. <laughs> I know. He's got three movies. You can't not call him Mike Banning's Banning. The, Banning's the only name I can remember off the top of my head, though. Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, so we start in a pretty impressive prologue, I think. Uh, it's at Camp David. Uh, the cool, tough President Eckhart is boxing with the likeable, tough Agent Butler, mm-hmm. who is a maverick. He's ex-Special Forces. He was in the Ranger Battalion. He's the kind of guy who moves mountains or dies trying. <laughs> uh, he knows how to extract information for people. Uh, we also come to learn that he tortures and kills unarmed prisoners, but that's that's coming a bit later. Uh, it was a different time. <laughs> uh, he's He's also the kind of guy that would tell the Speaker of the House played by Morgan Freeman, to go fuck himself. <laughs> um, so we meet him. We meet Mil- Dylan McDermott um, looking shady. Um, Do you know how you know already at this point that Dylan McDermott is going to be a bad guy? He's in a shadow when he appears. He emerges from the shadows. It's- and he- isn't he twirling a moustache? <laughs> it's the fact that uh, Gerald Butler feels the need to go, leave the babysitter alone, which oh makes God, him sound really predatory. That. Yeah. <laughs> But that's meant as that, isn't it? I he's think meant, so. Don't touch the babysitter. Yeah, because you and you know he's a wrong one from that point going forward. Yeah, you do. I mean, this start is where the movie first asks you to suspend your disbelief because even when they're boxing and the president's man comes in and goes, uh, "Mr. President, ten minutes." <laughs> Looking at the amount of sweat on him, there is no way you can shower 
and end up in a black tie suit and ready to go to a fundraiser in 10 minutes. So he has skipped something there, and I think it's the shower. No. I think he's <laughs> I think he's sweating in that black tie suit. Don't you suit. think it's cute that they're like, look, okay, Gerard Butler, you have got to be like not afraid to stand up to the president, even though that's an HR nightmare because that's your boss that you're being paid to hit. But also, he can tell you which earrings to wear with your frock. <laughs> no. So he's got... Everything. He's got two faces. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weird old man line as well. I, Aaron Eckhart does not look like an old man standing no, next to Gerald Butler. Not at all. In fact, he looks a little bit younger than Gerald <laughs> Butler. And he, he looks like he hasn't lived quite as much as Gerald Butler. Yeah. And then he's actually two, only two years older than Gerald Butler. And he's like, hey, I'm an old man. You're like, mm, that doesn't work. Change that line because you don't look like an old man. Uh, so then the package, okay, the president is on the move and we get this uh, action scene. The president's mo- motorcade, there's an explosion. One car goes off the bridge. The president's car is halfway off the bridge. The president's wife's in the car. She can't get a seatbelt open. It, does he have a choice? Uh, Agent Butler, does he not have a choice? He's trying to get the president out. He's trying to save the wife, but he can't save the wife. So he grabs the president and then the wife goes. Mm. Unbelievable. Right. Literally dives. unbelievable. Literally fridge the wife in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Ashley like, Judd is dead. It's yep. just so unfair. Yep. <laughs> like, and that poor kid, Mommy! And then it's like, Gerard Butler, actually, you are shit at your job. Because when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, it must have been a terrorist event that would push them off the bridge. It's just ice. And you were driving too fast. Or someone was driving but too fast. You're absolutely Oh, right. was it just ice? Yes. I, thought, I thought it was just some explosion. No, no so I think something oh. like something hits the windscreen uh, of the lead car. Snow. And that's really hard <laughs> snow. Shatters the Hail lead snow. car's windscreen. Whatever. But you're right. This accident, I don't know if it's Gerald Butler, but it is someone's fault. Someone should have looked outside and yep. gone, probably don't drive in this. Yeah. Because like, someone actually goes, it's really coming down. You're mm-hmm. like, it's, you're not kidding. It's a fucking blizzard. Yeah, and you're only going to a fundraiser. Don't you can cancel. drive. No. And also, uh, the kicker in this scene is the fact that after the wife has ended up, and also we find out that, uh, you know, President's limousines are like really, really tough things. The beast, they call it. Yeah, it goes over and through the ice. No one goes, well, we should just... We should check. We should just check. <laughs> we should probably check because they might be in Why there bother? alive. Why bother? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, that's done. That's such a good point. The kids shouted, Mom! So if we find her now, he's wasted that. Mom! Yeah, they've got this. They've got to get to this engagement. <laughs> that's true. He's yeah. put his suit on and everything. Yeah. It's unbelievable that the final shot of that opening is a helicopter flying over and, and, and it's, it's almost like it's like rubbing salt in the wound like someone going probably should have taken that could have got in that could it, if you'd flown in that <laughs> less dead first ladies and yet I think it's a very effective opening no I don't sorry I don't uh, uh, he doesn't uh, learn anything he gets fired so what I do I think it's weird that it's turned into the president not wanting Mike Banning around. I yeah. think it should be Mike Banning who's so broken after thinking exactly. he's yeah. failed his job yeah. that he's the one who steps back and then finds this inner strength yeah. to come back for the rest of the movie. It has to have been him being so cocky about this that put them in danger in the first place and then he can learn to be whatever. Yeah, That's so obvious. Do you want to know, um, you know there's a line in it where he goes, Mustang, this is Big Top bringing out the full package. I was like, do Secret Service people really speak like that? And they do. They probably do, yeah. Do you want to know some of the uh, the Secret Service names for past presidents of the USA? Oh, I think I know some of them. Go on. Because they get to pick their own. I didn't know that. Yeah, they get provided a list and they pick so something like, that they I'm like. I'm a big dick. Or, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mustang, this is big top. Big dick is coming out. <laughs> wow. the president. Well, the, the package isn't far off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but Jared Butler said that before. Bringing out the, <laughs> bringing out the full package. <laughs> All right, uh, Ronald Reagan went with uh, Rawhide. Yeah, makes sense. Cowboy. Uh, Barack Obama was Renegade. Really? Yeah. And uh, he picked that himself. He picked Renegade oh, himself. I not like him as much. That's a shame. That's him. Yeah. I quite like it. Given a list, I'm like, fucking renegade. Sound what? like a badass. It's because he oh, got that true. song back once again with the renegade master. Yeah, and I suppose you can't have anything like the Avengers have already done. So <laughs> your list is really small. Captain America, we can't, we can't. Uh, Donald Trump has gone with Mogul. Has he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my favourite was uh, George W. Bush. Uh, and he's the only one where it says this. It was Tumblr to begin with. And then it goes, later trailblazer (laughs) you wonder how many gaffes in before he went we we should change the tumblr thing i want to be trailblazer now (laughs) right we're into the next section of the film which i'm calling white house down (laughs) 
Um, so it's 18 months later. And because, as Alex said, uh, the president can't bear to look at Gerard Butler for what he represents and what he reminds him of. Uh, Butler is now working at the Treasury. He's doing mm. a desk job that's killing him. Mm. And we meet some of the other characters. Secret Service Director is Angela Bassett. Sorry, can I just flag? And how do we know what job they do? Because a fucking caption comes up on the screen and goes, whatever, whatever. And at first I was like, you can't, don't just do that to Angela Bassett. So then when they do it to everyone else, that's fine. But it makes no sense to me because this is not a film that is unafraid of expositional dialogue. Mm. So why can't she just walk in and he goes, oh, hello, Angela Bassett, head of the Secret Service, <laughs> whatever. Why jump up a caption? It's, it's funny you say that. The next section of uh, my uh, write-up is entitled Exposition Dump. Mm. It's, it's, I think they're going, I, in all honesty, I think they're going for the 24 vibe. They're trying to make it oh, all like, it happens in a day. So we've gone for 24, like 24. Um uh, there is one problem with this uh, introduction to Gerald Butler, which is uh, he seems to be asking the question in the first scene we see uh, when he's in the kitchen talking with his wife, how many things is too many things to hang off your belt? Because I'd argue between the keys, the pager, his radio, his gun, it's a fact. Six things is too many things to hang off a belt. Do you have weak hips? Can you not do that? I just think you look you a You will be able to bit, sit down. It's like, but I, I know they're not cool. Buy a fanny pack. <laughs> Put your gun in a fanny pack and then we be unzipping call, we it. We call them bum bags, thank you. We're yeah. not in America now. Yeah, but the movie's set in America. So I was, I was, sort okay. of in, the, I was in the moment, in the, in the zone. I was living it through Gerard's eyes. Uh, but in terms of cast, I was just saying, Angela Bassett, Secret Service Director, Morgan Freeman, Speaker of the House, Robert Forster, Army Chief of Staff, Melissa Leo, Secretary of Defence, and Dylan McDermott is now in the private sector. Mm. Not a bad cast. Not yeah, a bad really cast. Good. Yes, some some used more effectively than others, I would say, from that group I just read out, and we'll get on to that. Uh, but um, the airspace quickly becomes compromised, even though the White House isn't exactly on the coast. I'm not sure how that Korean plane um, got so close to the White House to be able to do the damage that it does. Yeah, that's a good point. But, um, yes, the... the... <laughs> Genuinely, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know the movie is meant to go, we're just going to do what we want, but how close... Can an unregistered military aircraft get to the White House before anyone tries to stop it? They are over the Washington Monument when those jets turn up and go, uh, by the way, this is restricted airspace. Excuse me, mate. <laughs> Excuse us, mate. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? What are you, do that at sea. Don't, don't do it over the Washington Monument. <laughs> so uh, the planes arrive while the South Korean delegation is visiting the White House. Uh, they do that thing that I do love in films when all the Secret Service agents grab the president and now, don't you treat him like a rag doll. This was so brilliantly, like so brilliantly directed because prior to this, there was fucking music all over this and ostensibly the Korean are here for a diplomatic visit it's like dun 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 it's a diplomatic visit dun 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 and then there's the planes you're like okay obviously it's going to happen and then the guys come into the room the music stops and he's mid-conversation with the South Korean president Aaron Eckhart is and they're like excuse me sir we've got to go and my heart honestly jumped because it's like from all of that mm. to silence and boring diplomacy and then it is on and off they go I thought it was amazing yeah and, really and you mentioned 24 they did do it a lot on 24 but I did always like it as soon as the most powerful man in the world is being treated like a rag doll yeah. I find that very watchable you, you know shit's going on <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a trope but it's a great trope yeah uh, the president insists on bringing the Korean party with him that's not protocol yeah. sir no. he's coming with us Yeah. and the so, whole the whole plan is predicated on the president making that decision <laughs> making so that it's, really, it's really it's yeah. really good that he, he does make that mistake <laughs> hey do you want a uh, do you want a mini quiz about because we see the Washington Monument get destroyed uh-huh. uh, do you want a mini quiz about the Washington Monument. Uh, it was once the tallest structure in the world. Wow. Mm, did you know that between 1884 and 1889? What do you think beat it? The Eiffel Tower. Correct. Well done, Vicky wins a quiz there. I'll just make a little... <laughs> I know you're a fan of me scoring quizzes, Chris. So there you go. Vicky won you Can you just, zero. Can you just do make sure you add it to the tally, though, because it is important. You've got to the microphone. No, because it's a private thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't want him to know. <laughs> uh, so they head 120 feet down to the underground bunker, while above ground there's the spectacular scene of destruction. Um, uh, we've got the Washington Monument crumbling. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got Korean soldiers or terrorists attacking from the ground on the lawn of the White House. Uh, we know they're bad because they shoot a dog. Um, yeah, bastards. And then in the bunker, the Koreans take that over in seconds. Um, it does make me wonder, don't they do any background checks or on any of the people visiting the White House? Do they never run scenarios? In both films, someone's like, and what's your decision? And what do you do? And they're like, um... And it's like, have you not done... Oh, hang on, I've got a joke. Uh, have you not done any training? 
A training day. Anton Fuqua. You're welcome. Um, we haven't mentioned him. Sorry, Anton Fuqua is the director. <laughs> can, we, uh, can we take a moment for me to actually call both of you out on being wrong in this instance? Okay. Mm. So in terms of background checks, there is a statement made about just how deep Kang, the villain, goes and how they never thought to check the South Korean they do government. So they do reference What that. about everyone else on his team? Yeah. All right. And what was, uh, what was your point? Do they not do scenario planning in right. the White House? And Kang himself actually says the line... It takes your military 15 minutes to arrive at the White House, which is why we did it in 13 minutes. Oh, yeah, so they do actually reference both those points and the business fallen wins. Uh, I, I'll just I, keep a score. Let me write down. I was, more right, than, I was more right than Vicky there. <laughs> um, but it's absolute carnage. Uh, although the scene does go on for quite a long time. I felt, I felt like they dragged it out. It's... Mr. Fuqua. Fantastic. When that chair, when the when the plane releases all the chaff oh, yeah, awesome. and the missile hits it, I was like, that's, that's so it's good. and I, he's a great action director. Uh we see the South Korean president get executed on screen mm. and the stars and stripes, as we said, is shot up, taken down, thrown over the side of the White House. It's <laughs> so um, embarrassing. Emotional scenes. That did get some laughs, I remember, in well, the screening. Because of how bad it looks. It's yeah. like buy, buy a flag. <laughs> They have a lot of them in America. They genuinely do. They are a fan of their flag. Just That's buy good, one. I never thought Chuck that. it off something. What is that meant to be? It, Why the, do you think they did it? Like we just can't get a real flag to do what we want it to do. We so. want it to go in slow motion. Film a real flag in slow motion. <laughs> just drop it from a great height. Can't. And we're going to take a break. Wrestle Me is a show where two men watch every WrestleMania from 1 to 37, unpicking the multicoloured threads that tie it all together. I think it's slightly something to do with the fact that Americans don't really like cell phones, do they? Right. I think they've all got basic ones, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's a big shout. It is a big shout, but I mean, there is something funny about it, like text messaging never took off in the States. What? I've done, come on now. Never been big. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're a lapsed fan or someone who doesn't give a flying laureate about it, there's something for Everyone. If you can get a crowd to boo you for kicking a fabulous ladder. Fabulous ladder. And the crowd are booing. Yeah. I get just, off that lovely ladder we've just learned about. It's a beautiful polysexual ladder. It's a, it's a beautiful Humber Shabby Sheet yeah. creation. If you climb up to it, ecstasy can be found <laughs> at the top. Listen via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. Wrestle Me is a Stakano production. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And we're back with a section I'm calling Exposition Dump. So we learn a lot in the next half hour in the film. Um, Kang is one of the most wanted terrorists in the world. He was brought across the DMZ when he was 12 after his father was executed for crimes against North Korea's state. While crossing the border, his mother was killed by an American landmine. So it's personal and political for Kang what he's doing. He's played by uh, Ricky Yoon, um, who people know from, is it Die Another Day? It is. Where he's got the diamonds in his face. Uh He's cool. He looks cool. He's no Alan Rickman, though. Um, and It's true. You have to compare. In all these diehard ripoffs, you go, but are they as good as Alan Rickman? And the answer throughout history <laughs> is no. no. <laughs> it's always going to be no. no. Um, he claims to have no interest in no- nuclear launch codes. This isn't true. Um, he claims to not be from the North or the South. He's just there for justice. He's there to give millions of starving men, women and children a chance of more than just subsistence to end the civil war your country interrupted so long ago. And yes, for united, prosperous Korea. Yeah, this is a problem for me because this is 40 minutes in and you've had your big start, the big explosion, the audacious attack on Washington, D.C., and at this point, you are sort of going, I want to know what the plan is. I want to find out what they're really doing here. It's like in Die Hard, it's like Alan Rickman going, we're actually here for the money. And here, it's just, I know it's sort of a double cross, he's hmm. bluffing. But at the same time, it's sort of so wishy-washy that I'm like, what? I'm left going, what is he doing? He wants to unite what? He wants to de- hmm. He wants a ship, some ships to go over there instead of being there. What? Well, he wants to recall the Seventh Fleet from the Sea of Japan and recall all American troops in the demilitarized zone. Yeah. Uh, and if you deviate, you'll start executing hostages. But it's this kind of arrogant thing where the implication is that if the American military withdraws from anywhere, countries will destabilize and they'll collapse and war will follow. I think there may be a case to be made for that being in the South China Sea, but I don't think France would be like, well, that's it then. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck this. And we're taking Germany. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. Um, I'll tell you who does have a clear plan, though, who is uh, Dylan McDermott, Forbes. He's he's very clear on why he's... He's, uh, he's very... He's double very cross. Clear. He's very clear. I he can't goes, remember why he's, he's so cross He's out. anti-globalisation. Oh, for he's fuck's like, sake. That I, he's like, you and you, his, you made globalisation. His, his motive, I'll quote him, his motive is globalisation and fucking Wall Street. Yep. Right, OK. And that's it. That's and enough. For which Aaron Eckhart is solely <laughs> responsible. No, is but that... seriously, if he'd waited three years, Trump would have been in the White House. He'd have been <laughs> fine. He wouldn't be dead. It's all about... He's, a, he's basically a Trump voter who didn't have anyone to vote for at that point. Because he's, yeah. he's like, oh, I want isolationist, populist politics. I don't, yeah. want, I don't want to be part of this world. So then have they shied away from him saying... That he said globalisation because he doesn't... They don't want him to say immigration because you want to still feel something for him. Because why... Do, what does... you? What does shouting at someone say globalization mean for you as a person? Nothing. I think it does, though. I like, think it's, it's American jobs for American workers. He doesn't say that. But he, that's what globalization is. A, it's a banner term in his world. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, may be, uh, I may be adding too much to Dylan yeah, McDermott's character I think you here. Stop. Because <laughs> it doesn't mean that to me. <laughs> Uh, we've got Butler kicking the crap out of everyone now. Um, he takes someone out with a Lincoln bust. I, I, I never feel like he's going to lose a fight in this film, which exactly. I think is a problem. It's a problem because he should be rusty because he's like, I've been at the Treasury for years and it's killing me and I've got all these things on my belt <laughs> and I can barely sit down. So shouldn't there be a moment where he's like, I can't quite chop this guy. You, like let me just take do. off, like, let me take my page off. <laughs> You've got all those moments. I'm going to keep coming back to it, especially in the next section. Uh, in Die Hard, when John McClane looks like he's screwed, looks like he's not going to make it, yep. looks like he's going to lose the fight. Yeah. It never feels that way in this film, and I think that is a real problem with it. Yeah. Um, Kang also, uh, as part of his plan, he wants the Cerberus code, mm. uh, and that is a three-pronged failsafe. Uh, you can abort a nuclear missile in flight, uh, but all three people with the codes in uh, are needed to do that. Um but all three of those people are in the bunker. Why are all those people in the same building at the same I time? <laughs> and also, it turns out you only need two, don't you? When they get the last one, he's just like, beep, bop, bop. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but what an, you can uh, guess uh, the last one. Yeah. Because that upsets the whole purpose. Because the whole thing is, Aaron Eckhart keeps going to his staff, don't die, give them your code, because they will never get mine. <laughs> 
They will never get it from he me. Says it, like, he says it multiple times in it, the film. Yeah. And the whole start of the movie is them trying to get the kids to go, right, we're going to put a gun to your kid's head so you will give us yeah. it. And then they go, actually, we, now, now the kid's we gone. It, we'll yeah. just work it out. Yeah. It's OBK for, what well, I guess. Yeah, what and this is a really guess? weird thing for me to say, but the first man, they hold a knife to his throat and he won't tell them the code. And he's like, it, that was quite a cool scene. It's like, mm. he could say at any point to save his own life, but he doesn't because of how much he loves the president. And then he's like, tell them, Bob, or whatever he's called. Whatever. Then when it's Melissa Leo's turn, bear in mind that someone has nearly had their throat cut. I'm not I'm not trying to put gradients of violence on it, but someone slaps her across the face and she's like, can I tell him? And it's like, it's not the same <laughs> she thing. Does she does not. No, she she gets the crap kicked out of really her. Really badly. And same. she's holding out and she tell, and she said, fuck you yeah. to so his I face. I think she, t- she does her absolute best with what on paper is her just grunting and just going... No, I, I may agree with you on that one. The and worst, I will be saying more about that. The worst part about the uh, Melissa Leo getting the shit beaten out of her, and it really is awful. Uh, it's, it's nasty watching her getting beaten up. Um, and then they they drag her back to the president and rehandcuff her next to it. Yeah. And Aaron Eckhart turns to her, and the first words out of his mouth are, "Rough day." <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't she say something like fuck you as well <laughs> <laughs> rough, rough day huh yes she say, like, did you see or something but it's so weird because you can't even see her face and it's like did the director not want you to be able to see her face because she's trying to hide her face because a lot was going on because it's probably a stunt woman being beaten up in that scene rather oh, okay. than Melissa Lear I thought it was because the wig was so bad and god help me if that's her real hair but on the subject of Cerberus, mm. um, I genuinely think, I know they go, it's a three-pronged thing, the three-headed dog, Cerberus in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. I swear they only call it Cerberus so that later on, because Cerberus guarded the gates of hell, yes. so that Morgan Freeman can sound cool going, yeah. they've just opened the <laughs> gates of hell. Literally. And we can all go, mm, we feel clever now. <laughs> I, I know, feel clever. I yeah. know what Cerberus is. Oh, I think is. it's because it's in Harry Potter, though. that's the only reason I knew it. <laughs> Uh, we're now in the section that I'm calling Die Hard in the White House because there are quite a lot of Die Hard moments here. We've got Butler in direct contact with Kang and he starts winding him up about killing his men, about saving Sparkplug. Um, he says, why don't you and I play a game of fuck off? You go first. <laughs> and then all- hangs up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's those wind up things that John McClane does to Hans Gruber in Die Hard that enrage him. That are really entertaining to watch, but not as entertaining here as in the other film. I've got a theory that Gerald Butler is just pretty shit on the phone throughout this movie. <laughs> That's an example there. It's just a terrible, terrible like gag in itself. Uh, let's play a game of fuck off. You go first. I think it's the funniest thing about <laughs> No more but, negotiating with the United People's Front of who gives a fuck. Love uh, it. Earlier on, though, he leaves his wife, who's a doctor in the hospital, he yeah. leaves her a voicemail when she doesn't come to the phone. Yeah. And it's the kind of voicemail that if you got, you'd be like... What the fuck was that? What? He literally, literally, I wrote it down, he goes, just checking in, massive sigh. <laughs> Listen, I'll call you later. Hangs up. If, so if you picked up that message and it was like... <sighs> <laughs> he follows up though because later on when Morgan Freeman gives him 30 minutes to save the world he, the first thing he does is phone his wife mm. who's working in hospital so they've got to go and find her she's busy herself anyway this is not the first thing you should do she's, she's not busy at the start the first time when they're strafing Washington DC you have that scene where it's all, all hell's breaking loose in the hospital and there are literally hundreds of injured people mm-hmm. cuts back when Morgan Freeman's given a speech every single member of staff is sitting there in silence watching the speech you're like what about all those oh, yeah. injured people? It's like President's giving a speech. So. But when it's Freeman, you have to stop. <laughs> yeah. You can't help. It's a reflex action. When Morgan Freeman is the is, president, Is there an asteroid coming? Um, more diehard. Uh, Dylan McDermott pulls a Hans Gruber by pretending to be on Butler's side while smoking a cigarette. Quick question. Yeah. Did Kang send Dylan McDermott to kill Mike Banning armed with nothing more than a packet of fags <laughs> because he doesn't appear to have a weapon? He's like, I'll pretend to be your mate. Now we're fighting. Now I've got to get your gun to kill you. Why have I not got a weapon, boss? Why have I just got my trusty packet of fags? Yeah, good point. That I was smoking with Kang. How do you know his name? <laughs> oh, fuck. fuck. Oh, I've done Silly it now. Me. I've done it now. Like in Die Hard, uh, they send in the SEAL team. Uh, that's the SWAT team in Die Hard. And uh, like in Die Hard, the terrorists have anti-tank missiles they fire at the SWAT team. Here, the terrorists have Hydra 6 that they fire at the SWAT at the mm-hmm. SEAL team, which is a brutal piece of technology, uh, but... 
Butler has a rocket launch to fight back, but that is the same scene. And then more diehard. Uh, the military want Butler to stand down, uh, remove him as their eyes and ears, but Butler argues back and says no. Um, they claim he's getting hostages killed, just like the LAPD chief claims that McLean got Ellis killed. Mm. It's all the same story beats, just not quite as good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, Butler, again, on the phone, as you like him, Alex, he, he says to Kang, save the last bullet for yourself, because if you don't, I'm going to stick my knife through your brain. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's going to come back. Yeah, I enjoyed the phone call he has with his wife when he calls her in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, not only because I, I genuinely think his wife is a terrible doctor, not only does she stop uh, treating people when Morgan Freeman's on the TV, but she's standing over someone in a hospital bed with a syringe ready to inject them with morphine. Mm. And someone walks in and goes, uh, it's the phone, it's a special phone, it's, it's your husband. And rather than go, I'll, I'll be a sec, and inject the person, she puts the lid back on the syringe and goes to someone else, make sure he gets some morphine, <laughs> and walks off to take the phone call. And then Gerald Butler lives up to his reputation of being terrible on the phone in this movie because he goes, I love you doesn't wait for a reply, just hangs, hangs up, up the phone. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not the same as the fuck you gag. It's no. not the same as the fuck off gag. You've got to wait for her to reply. Well, maybe it's showing some... Um, it doesn't, but maybe it's showing some vulnerability because maybe he thinks that their relationship isn't on equal footing and maybe she doesn't love him, so he hangs up before she can say, oh, yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> or maybe he's so arrogant, he goes, don't need to hear it, don't know care. it, see yeah. ya. Yeah. Stick a knife in your brain. <laughs> Uh, so now Kang fakes his and President Eckhart's death by blowing up uh, terrorists and hostages in a chopper, uh, but they're really alive. And then we're in the home straight, which I'm calling the butler does it. Uh, they activate Cerberus. Come on. That's Don't really shake. good. No, that is. is really good. <laughs> You're sitting there shaking your head. <laughs> it's nice. It's great. Uh, they activate Cerberus, uh, which means the pl- they're detonating missiles inside silos in America, turning the country into a nuclear wasteland so America will know suffering and famine. As Alex says, they've opened the gates of hell. Uh, so we've got a lot of scenes here now in the crisis room repeating what we've just been told <laughs> or what we've just seen on the telly like some pointless Greek chorus. The best part is that not only does one person say it and then they say it in the crisis room, someone then comes in and goes, Norad agree. <laughs> it's like there are three versions of the same sentence. They always go, and Norad can confirm. It's like, no one cares. And then President Eckhart, we've set him up as a boxer. Uh, he finally gets to fight, and that lasts for about 20 seconds until he gets yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit disappointing, I think, when we know he's President Badass. Mm-hmm. And obviously in the sequels, he gets to fight a bit more. But here... Sequel. Sequel. Yeah, he, he dips out. He dips out. Before Angel. <laughs> Which is a smart move. Yeah. Uh, and then Butler breaks Kang's neck and then, as promised, stabs him in the brain. He does. And then uh, through his inability to do hashtags, he nearly... I can't believe this scene. <laughs> I can't believe it. Incredible. I can't believe no one went. So oh, he's typing in deactivation codes and he can't do a hashtag and someone has to tell him how to do it. I, I, can't, I can't believe it's in the it film. It sounds silly when you say it like that. But wait, it was so tense. Even if... Even if he knew how to do a hashtag, it would still be boring and stupid. It's 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 a Mel Brooks scene in entirety. Yes. It's, it, it's it's the scene from Spaceballs where he, they go one 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 two 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 three 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 four four. That's the kind of combination an idiot would have on his luggage. That's the combination I have on my luggage. It's seriously ridiculous. What's even more ridiculous than just the length of the code, the repetition, and the hashtag? is that at the very end, when he's put in the code, Cerberus is a machine that when you have deactivated it, will count down four further seconds before stopping. What sort of machine does that? So in Cerberus' world, four on its countdown is actually one. Yeah. What? Who builds a machine <laughs> like that that controls the nuclear weapons that when you deactivate, it goes, I'm going to count down a further four seconds yeah. and then turn off. They don't off. even use the opportunity. To go, we want that extra little hiccup, that slight, you know, the other thing. But it's not that Gerard Butler's not put the fucking hashtag in or whatever. And he goes, oh shit, sorry. And then whatever. But it, it, it just, that's the gag. That's yeah. the gag that they should have. He should be watching the machine still counting down, having put in the code. And down, Angela yeah. Bassett should go, have you pressed enter? He's like, Perfect. fuck. Yeah. Yes. And then you stop it. Not just a machine, some sort of sentient fucking machine that goes, this will be funny. Three, two. Uh, no, no, you did deactivate me. You did. I'm messing. I'm messing. Uh, they drag out the ending a bit here. And I do remember in the cinema, this clearing the cinema quite quickly. Now, I think there are some issues with this film. Uh, do you? Casual xenophobia. It's sort of this 
right-wing wet dream. You've got the president doing a speech about the villains saying they came to desecrate our way of life, to foul our beliefs, to trample our freedom. I wonder what he's talking about there, what the filmmakers are talking about there. Terrorists! Um, um, and uh, then the, the, the flag is raised as they rise renewed. I think people were leaving the cinema in London at that point, murmuring. And then, may God bless you, may God bless United States of America, people were definitely running to get yeah, out of the cinema by that point. Yeah. And, and by the time we realised that Butler's back on the presidential detail uh, uh, and the stirring music's playing, I'm pretty sure I was the only person in the cinema at that point. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Until the very end of the credits, as is his way. That's right. I forgot, because <laughs> respect it's the respect. filmmaker. It's yeah, respect. Who fine. is the key grip on this movie? <laughs> I must know for Tilly Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. So um, I don't have a lot more about this film apart from uh, the huge cost to multinational companies. Uh, it, it cost them millions and had them changing their guidelines. Really? Yeah, in a quite a funny way. Uh, the FCC issued a 1.9 million fine uh, against Viacom, NBC Universal, and ESPN for their promotion of the film. Because in the trailers, they used the uh, two-tone emergency alert signal that gets played in America when there is an emergency happening. Uh, And it aired several times on Comedy Channel and people were upset. People wrote into complaints saying, this is misleading and had our entire family running to the TV to find out what was going on. So only to find out it was a commercial. Who runs to a telly? What's the point? (laughs) When that alarm alarm happens, you've got to run. You've got to run to the telly. Well, the telly's not going to run to you. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant they were watching it and then the alarm goes off and they just stood closer to the television <laughs> to see what not, would happen. Not everyone lives in front of their TV. <laughs> These people were doing other things. The TV was on. It was background well, well, noise. Well, respect. When I'm watching the telly, I'm watching <laughs> so the telly. They, so they got in trouble for frivolous, casual use of the emergency alert tone for reasons other than their defined purpose uh, because it can desensitise viewers to the tones and thereby undermine the effectiveness of the system in the of event of an actual emergency. Yeah. And all those companies have had to revise their guidelines um, in in order to ban material that uses those alert terms they and they paid the two million. They knew they were going to get in trouble. They just thought, oh, fuck it, it's worth it. Well, oh, yeah, all right, we'll revise our guidelines. <laughs> Do you think I don't think they did? I didn't really. I don't think I don't think it was worth it. <laughs> it would be funny if something terrible was going to happen and people's TVs were making it sound and people were like it's just it's the Olympus has fallen sequel. <laughs> Stay where you are. Don't do anything. It'll be it's Gerald Butler's new movie. Don't move. Nobody move. Do not run to the TV. I'm not being fooled again. I've genuinely got sod all else. So should we do the bits? <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Uh, favorite scene, Victoria. It's. The moment it all kicks off, it stands apart from the rest of the film in how uh, how expertly and subtly and powerfully it is directed and edited. So that is so, so pedestrian, but Aaron Eckhart talking to the South Korean president and the music drops out and they just whisk him out of there. And Alex? Yeah, I, I, I disagree with how sort of subtle it is. Uh, it's a fucking plane blowing the shit out of Washington, D.C. But that's the bit that I like in the opening. I just think it's such an audacious opening. It's so ridiculous, so over the top, so difficult to believe, and yet it works, and it's it's amazing. Just the fact that you're watching a plane fly over the American capital, blowing the crap out of stuff, is one of those, like, mm. fucking hell, they've really gone there moments. So I love it. I was going to say that as well, but I'm going to be different so we don't... Also, the same thing. I, I like the president's wife being killed. No. I think it really grabs you by the balls while at the same time... Um, <laughs> I don't know that a woman dying and you being grabbed by the balls should ever be in the same sentence. I didn't enjoy it. Right. It makes you feel genuine sympathy for the two leads as well. So I think That's it does what, a yeah, good the, job. Yeah, fridge a woman to create a character for a man. That's all I want. Right. <laughs> That's all I'm after. That's all I'm after. And, and Is that a term? I'm learning a term here. What's frigid woman means? Frigging is when you kill the female character, right. often a wife or girlfriend or partner. Oh, that's why I don't know it. In, in a... <laughs> Are you minding me of? No, go on. I am genuinely So interested. she's either already dead, mm-hmm. because and all that is there for is to give the man pain or a character arc or whatever. Or she gets killed very, very quickly. So it's called fridging because you often have a scene where she's in a fridge because so she's she... been killed. How many movies are there with women who are dead who are also in a fridge? <laughs> well, it's not. It's not they're all in fridges. It's just the person that came up with the term yep. was using that as a an illustration, as a visual example of what commonly happens. But it, can you think of an actual example of where... I can a... think of a lot of telly where it happens. I can't right. think of a lot of films where it happens. But it remember, happens a lot. Do you in... remember William the Refrigerator Perry? No. He was the big American football guy who played for the Chicago Bears when we were kids. Okay. And they called him the refrigerator because he was the size of a fridge and full of food. And women. <laughs> what? I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were going to tell some horrible story about he was an American football player 
and then they found all those bodies in his fridge. <laughs> He's still alive, it could be. Right. Maybe somebody to check on him. Uh, the other good scene uh, that I will say is really good in this is uh, the fact that this is how you do a kid in a movie like this. Oh, he's you, really good. But you don't want a kid in a movie like this because they're like a, a weight around your hero's neck. It limits what they can do. It all becomes very child-friendly. And I love the fact that the kid turns up and then they get rid of the they kid. They just throw him up a gym. Inside, <laughs> inside like five minutes, it's mm. like, oh, is this kid going to be around? No, he's gone. Yeah. He's off. Spark and plug is out. Spark yep. plug. And it, do you know my hatred comes from the Lost World, Jurassic Park 2, uh, where the kid in that kills what at this point is supposed to be the scariest dinosaur uh, that we've seen ever in film, a velociraptor. She kills it with gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, get kids out of these movies. <laughs> MVW, Alex. MVW, um, I sort of struggled with this one, weirdly, because mm. there isn't really a, a, a lot to consider, but it is Gerard Butler. Um I do think mm. he is an immensely watchable actor. And I have watched and enjoyed more bad films because of him than any other actor. Geostorm, mm. Hunter Killer, or the 2001 TV series Attila, in which he played Attila the Hun alongside Theodiceus, played by Tim Curry. And that completes this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks. <sighs> Uh, Vicky, <laughs> not a fan of that. Uh, I'm doing these uh, this week for our two episodes based on who I fancy the most because mm. I want to. And so my MVW is Rick Yoon because mm. he's the hottest guy there. So that's the Excellent. reason. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, I'm messing this one up as well this week. Uh, that's not. That's my real reason. Yeah. Yep. I'm messing this up one as well. Uh, <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Easy for You're me messing to say. this one up. up I just well. did. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> my, well, MVW comes from MVP, which is a sporting analogy. And so I'm going to talk about an unused MVW, a sub who is is barely used, who's kind of benched for this film. What's they happening? they kick the shit out of Melissa Leo in this movie. They strip her of her clothes. They strip her of her dignity. She's yeah. fully committed, and I love it when she says "fuck you" to Kang. But watching it this time left a really nasty taste in my mouth. Melissa Leo does a lot with a little, but she deserves better. Don't yeah. bench Melissa Leo as she could and should have been this film's lethal weapon. Yes, she should have been Morgan Freeman. Mm. So, Melissa Lee, I love that actress. Right, and uh, what would you change, Vicky? So, you may be able to guess what I'm about to say, but Mm. when he's putting the code into the computer and Mm. being told the numbers to put in, he has to do it his way and save the day and shake off the past. So, the only way I can think that he would do that is he either cuts the computer out of a seatbelt or he stabs it in the head. (laughs) But that's as much as I (laughs) Didn't spend a lot of time on that one, did you? Are what? you not taking these movies seriously this week, Victoria? It's whoever you fancy, and she, he's got to stab the computer. <laughs> yeah, oh, I cut it out of a car. Mm. Yeah. So, so Cerberus. To shake off the past. Cerberus is strapped into the back of a limo. You've already established that it's sentient, so bunker. it's alive. Yeah, why and it's not? Like, Save me, Gerard Butler. And he's like, I can't, because the last time I did this, it didn't go well. You can do it. And then he does. And then he saves the day. Right. Alex, I got a better one. Good. Unsurprisingly. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I've got two. First of all, I think Gerald Butler's wife should be around uh, the White House earlier. I think there's an untapped resource of melodrama in her knowing that he's in the White House yeah. and his life is at risk. And I think that phone call that they have, he should, she should go, I know where you are. I know you're in the White House. I've been told, can you not do this? Can you come home? We want to go. I want to go on a holiday, the honeymoon we never had. Oh, he's God, like, that holiday thing. Just, let me just say this. Only in films do people say, should we go on holiday? And someone goes, oh, I'm not sure. And they go, you, me. A beach. And it's like no one's ever. Have you ever pitched a holiday to your partner by describing who will literally be there? No. Oh, is it just me and you? Oh, fuck. All right. Well, then I'm interested. You, me, your friend Lynn. A beach. <laughs> what? 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 What's this about Lynn? Because she. Because I don't know where she was yesterday. Where were you? Um, the other thing, and it's sort of it's it's a bit like what you're saying, Victoria. I think. There should be a change, but I think the arc isn't Gerald Butler's, and I don't think he should stab a computer in the head or release it from a seatbelt that it's trapped in a limo wearing. Uh, I think it should be... I, I cannot believe it's not Aaron Eckhart who doesn't kill Kang. Like, that should be his kill. He's been in the bunker, tormented by him, mm-hmm. watched him threaten his staff, watched him beat up Melissa Leo, and it should be him sort of... It should be a boxing reference. He loses to Gerald Butler at the start, but in the end, he saves Gerald Butler... Because while Gerard Butler is being attacked by Kang, he just steps up and bang, Kang, gone. Yep. And you know, because Gerard Butler was a producer, he probably went, yeah, that's not happening now. That's not happening because yeah. uh, I'll be killing Kang. Another connection, both films where the the star is also a producer. 
Chris Channing Tatum produced White House Down as well. Oh. Um, uh, you're talking about shaking off the past, Vicky, with your change. I'm I'm the same. Um, this film starts with a Butler kind of letting the president's wife go potentially to save the president um right decision professionally maybe not the right decision for him as a man maybe not morally let's have him have to make a similar decision at the end of the film having to choose between the president and his son oh okay and this time he goes with his heart rather than his head and he saves the kid the president dies but butler's soul is restored okay Pretty depressing. So end. now you like cutting a computer out of the car, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that might be better. Welcome back. No. Yeah. You kill the president. You stab a computer in the head, Chris. <laughs> you kill Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a fan of Vicky's now. It's uh, suddenly got a little bit nicer. Right then, uh, shall we do a quiz, Chris? Sure. Great. Again, I've got like last week with witches as an overarching thing. I've gone overarching thing. This is a presidential quiz. Okay. So. The mogul. The renegade. Renegade. <laughs> Question one, who played the president in Machete Kills? And I'm going to give you... Martin Sheen. Three options. No, I mean... <laughs> was, that your, was that your answer? That was my... Excellent. Is it right? No. Yeah. Martin Sheen. Um, <laughs> Charlie Sheen. All right. Kevin Spacey or Mel Gibson? Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Well, Vicky gets a point. I don't know if you do, Alex, because you went in there with... with Look, all, I, it all was, right. I actually got a Sheen, though. That's not bad. He's actually credited as Carlos Estevez. Which is his real name? Yeah. Um, doesn't mind it when doesn't mind it uh, when uh, Robert Rodriguez does it, uh, but he doesn't like it when uh, Chuck Law does it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of the movie where Ronald Reagan stars opposite a chimpanzee? <gasps> is it Breakfast for Bonzo, Bath Time for Bonzo, or Bedtime for Bonzo? Bedtime oh, for Bonzo. I think it's Bedtime for Bonzo as well. Correct. Point each. Uh, which handsome actor plays the president in Spy Kids Three? Is it Pierce Brosnan, Brad Pitt, or George Clooney? I think it's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, so do I. Incorrect. Oh. It is George Clooney. Is he really? Not uh, which <laughs> act- Did George Clooney really voice the dog in the very first episode of South Park? Yeah, uh, he, he was involved. Yeah, he's the one that gave the, the videos around to everyone right. in Hollywood. They've got them their, uh, Fine. their first gig. Uh, Sounds like a great guy. I once interviewed him for, unfortunately, a terrible movie, The Monuments Men. Did mm. you ever see that? Mm. I haven't seen very it. Disappointing. Ooh, very disappointing. Very, very boring. Yeah. Very boring film. However, <laughs> when he came in, and it was the first time I'd interviewed him, he is proper old school Hollywood glamour. He comes in and he just takes the scarf off and just sort of tosses it. Black scarf, black suit, tosses it on the table in front of me and sits down. And I'm like... he's my rick yoon (laughs) (laughs) which actor is president in the simpsons movie is it arnold schwarzenegger sylvester stallone or bruce willis arnold Arnold schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger. correct because that was the big thing about the simpsons movie and how they bottled it they bottled it in the simpsons movie and made it president mcbain oh yeah or was it the other way around i can't remember which president played himself in the 1996 sinbad comedy first kid Mm-hmm. Was it Bill Clinton, George Bush, or George W. Bush? So at the time, it must have been. He might not have been present at the time. Oh. What was the year? 1996. George Bush Sr. I'm going with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Oh. Uh, two left. Uh, which actress was John Hinckley trying to impress when he shot US President Ronald Reagan? Jodie Foster. Yeah, I mean, you should wait for the question. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let, me hear, let me hear the options. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett, mm. Faye Dunaway, or Jodie Foster? Farrah F- Jodie Foster. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I didn't, but thank you. Okay. That's annoying. Okay, final question. <laughs> final question. You need this, Vicky. What did Donald Trump call an incredible, fantastic movie in 1997, revealing that it plays in regular rotation on his private jet? Was it JFK? Was it Bloodsport? Or was it Short Circuit? Oh, my God. I'm just going to say short circuit because that might be something that me and him can agree on. It is short circuit. Is it? The film that he said is an incredible, fantastic movie uh, is Bloodsport. Really? Starring John claude Van Damme. <laughs> and he plays it all the time. Does he? That's so, nice. Alex, you're the winner. Yay! <laughs> right then. Uh, time now. Obviously, we're back on Thursday uh, to uh, deal with the challenger of this movie, White House Down. It'll be a very similar sounding show. Uh, but looking ahead to next week, Chris... Your choices next week. It's been yeah. a while since it's been your choices. So what are we going for? Uh, you both got the monuments, men. <laughs> uh, give us a clue. I'll give you a clue. The clue is L.A. Neo-Noir. L.A. 
a neo-noir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love it. L.A. neo-noir. That is the clue for next week's pairing. And we'll be back, like I said, on Thursday to talk through White House Down. Thank you for listening. Again, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at ClashPod. You can email show at ClashPod.com or you can, well, you just cannot or if you can do it as well rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts apple spotify or other it's very much appreciated back on thursday for some white house down action bye-bye this was a stakhanov production and part of the acast creative network even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.